When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello. And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on being unable to afford gifts you normally would send, condolences around Christmas greetings, American dining styles versus Danish dining styles, and putting a Venmo username on a wedding announcement. For awesome etiquette sustaining members, our question of the week is about handling Christmas gifts when your partner celebrates it, but their family doesn't. Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript segment when we return to Margaret Visser's The Ritual of Dinner to discuss feasts. All that coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in snowy Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. Because it's it's pretty pretty down here. We've got snow finally here in Vermont. I can't imagine what it's like up in the mountains where you are. <laughs> when I drove out of my house today, all I could think about was the podcast and this intro and how I was going to just sing about Vermont <laughs> after the first perfect winter snowstorm. <laughs> it is really beautiful snow sparkles which is always so fun and even though here in town you know it's like the the roads get dirty and it it starts to not look good after a few days it it is so pretty to just see everything covered it just it makes everything look so beautiful oh you earn it it's been cold for a week it's been really cold it has but you're right there was the sparkle and there was this dusting that we've had a couple inches of ground cover and then it's in the trees so like the evergreens all have a coat and it's in the branches and the sun was bright so it was just it was a winter wonderland it was unbelievable yeah you're reminding me that tomorrow, as I start my weekend, Sunny and I are going to need to to head up to Stowe and pick one of the trails to go on for for a winter hike because it just is it is so magical. It's the kind of thing that I mean, clearly you can hear it in in Dan's and and my voice. Like we we it fills us up in the winter. It's the thing that makes for me the cold worth it. You know, mm-hmm. but it's like you put it all together and and it's that fresh crisp air and that super strong sunlight that does actually feel warm, and then just that sparkle everywhere and it just oh it's ma- it is magical magical winter wonderland up here. We will stop gushing about where we are right now (laughs) Um, because we have a show to do don't we (laughs) although what i could do is play this back for you during mud season and we could spend an equal amount of time (laughs) talking about mud season (laughs) that's true we could do that another time oh the weather in vermont (laughs) 
And I've got to admit, there's something about this first snow arriving just right in the middle of the holiday season, a week before the Christmas holiday. It, it feels <laughs> like another decoration. The other decorations are coming up. The lights, the... It, oh, that is a really beautiful way to put it. <laughs> I like that. It's another decoration. It's like if I could dial it up. I, I want picture postcard perfect white snow framing my windows when I'm looking out, please. <laughs> if you could just blow some on there, that'd be great. No, it does. It does make winter holidays all the more special. And we'll be celebrating Christmas at, at my parents' house this week, too. And it, it, I'm, I'm hoping the snow lasts in the valley. We didn't get quite nearly as much as you up in the mountains. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping it sticks around <laughs> and that the weekend doesn't kick it to the curb. It but, will. Um, I'm in that kind of it, mood. It will. I hope so. I hope so. For us up in the Northeast, that beautiful snow-covered holiday is really, is, is really nice to experience. Not that we can't handle a green Christmas, too. But um, it's it's fun to be the picture postcard, okay? I'm just going to say it. It is fun to be that sometimes. It is. <laughs> and the snow just lends to it so well rather than than all the kind of dead twigs. <laughs> like a de- dead twig with the snow is just so cool. <laughs> Pine with snow. It just is more magical. <laughs> and I say to myself, for our listeners that aren't somewhere where there's this seasonal rotation – that or don't appreciate snow. Maybe it's just that, a nice like, mental departure. <laughs> maybe it's nice just to hear about it and hear about people that are enjoying it. Oh, or you could say that we've got cabin fever and this is us just geeking out on snow big time. <laughs> But it, it is fun. This will be a fun-filled holiday week. I know I'm excited to to celebrate. Dan, are you excited to celebrate with the girls this week? I mean, it's they're they're getting old enough. Like the kids are old enough. Christmas is really magical. I can't even tell you. Pooj and I were high fiving <laughs> because she <laughs> let Anisha in on her plan to build a gingerbread house on Christmas Eve. And oh, that's so cute. The, the, the idea is that she wants to kind of build this into a tradition, and um, we might leave it out oh. to see if like, Santa takes a bite or something. Oh. Um, and Anisha <laughs> got a little mad at her. Didn't get mad at her, but kind of scolded her and was like, Mom, this is a surprise. This is supposed to happen at Christmas. <laughs> and <laughs> to which I, I that, that was what inspired the high five because I, I just knew we were doing it. It worked. She's loving the anticipation. She's loving the, the secrets on others' behalf. It's just uh, – it's such a pleasure. That's it's really such a joy. cute. That's really cute. No, you guys are doing it wrong. It's a surprise. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, well, I've been having fun picturing you all getting ready for the holiday. I know that you were very proud of your, your Charlie Brown Christmas tree this year. Which Aria is trying to disassemble every chance she gets. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's got decorations like about a foot and a half in the air up or two feet, two and a half feet in the air up. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> Oh, well, even though we've got holiday and snow on the brain, do you think that we should get to the show so we can get to some questions? Let's do it. 
Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions. You can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or you can reach us on social media. On Twitter, we're at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your social media posts so that we know you want your question on the show. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question this week is about a COVID Christmas. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I was wondering if you could help me out with a bit of a situation I'm facing. I work at a talent agency and have very close working relationships with clients that I represent. Around this time of year, I typically send them a Christmas present on behalf of myself and the agency I work for. However, this year, because of the COVID pandemic and subsequent economic fallout, my company has decided to forego gifts. It seems a bit scroogey, but considering the massive budget cuts we had to implement to stay afloat during this really hard time, it makes sense. My question is this, how would you recommend handling this? Do I acknowledge it with my clients and explain the reason? Or does that make it even more awkward? Some of them typically give me a gift as well, which would make me feel so uncomfortable considering I'm not giving them anything this year. Any help you could offer would be so greatly appreciated. Sincerely, COVID Christmas Crisis. COVID Christmas Crisis. I I want to offer you respectfully and distance, so a virtual reassurance hug. <laughs> like you don't uh, gift giving is not doesn't have to be reciprocal. So if anyone gives you a gift this year, even if you typically would have done an exchange, 
focus on that gift that they are giving you and the generosity that's coming your way and and that will be a beautiful exchange but if you if you focus instead on what you don't have or how bad you feel about not having something and trust us it's not easy like Dan and I have both been in this situation and heard the words come out of our mouth of I just feel so bad I don't have something for you but I'm so grateful for what you've given me you know it's like we even slip it in from time to time because that feeling is so powerful and the pressure is there, but I also want to help relieve that pressure and let you know that it is okay. And this is a year where so many people have had hard times, whether it's a a gift not being reciprocated or whether it's not sending something out that you typically do. People generally understand this year that that happens. I say send cards if you can. Dan, I'm running away with this answer. Do you want to jump in before you I just keep just going, keep going, going, running. going? Or do you want me to keep I'm going, going? I'm so far going? just wanting to affirm okay. what you're saying. <laughs> okay, go on. I'm like, I got this. We got you. It's okay. It's going to be an okay holiday. But if you can send cards, if you can't, especially with clients that you care a lot about or that have had that you've had really close relationships with them you could always just call and wish them well if cards aren't even an option which for some companies they are not this year so i i just want to give you all the reassurance in the world it's funny you mentioned do i say anything do i not and dan this is a place where we've been here before when the recession hit a lot of companies and a lot of people had the same moment happen to them a, a bad year or a couple of bad years and they weren't able to do what they had done in the past. And when it came to service providers and holiday tips that you were giving out, that was a place where we suggested that you could make mention of it and just say, I know this isn't what I've been able to do in the past, but I want you to know your service was still so important to me this year, and I did so appreciate it. But in this case, Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, as a gift to your your clients or, or others that you work with, I, I don't see it as much of a need to make mention that you're not giving a gift, that it's just a card or that it's just a phone call with well wishes this year. Yeah. For me, this was the one part of the question where there was some subtlety mm-hmm. in terms of the, the way you might approach it. And I was parsing it out in my mind as that if the explanation functions to keep the focus on your good wishes and the, the message that you're wanting to deliver, mm-hmm. it could work well. Um, but you don't want the, the message of I'm not giving you anything this year to be the totality of the message. So I wouldn't make an effort to reach out just to let someone know not to expect anything. But in the course of a different conversation, I might mention it mm-hmm. as a way to give them some context and some understanding about why something might be a little different this year. But I wouldn't make that the main event. I would make that something that I would uh, – some information that I would get across as part of other holiday well wishes. Mm-hmm. Again, really paying attention to dosage so that message doesn't overwhelm the genuine note of appreciation or thanks or um, happy holiday wishes that you're trying to deliver. COVID Christmas crisis, we hope that this helps give you a little reassurance and that you can celebrate this season with bells on. Dear Mommy and Daddy, I have gone to help Santa. Don't worry. Rudolph, that's me. Hi, Rudolph. It's very dark here. Our next question is a Christmas card condolence. Dear Lizzie and Dan, I need your help. 
A beloved great-aunt died a week ago, just before Christmas. We are so sorry to hear that. I have condolence notes for her eight grown children to put in today's mail. They are not near me. And I had called children of the three cousins that I'm closer to as soon as I heard. Our conversations were wonderful. I feel so close to them and so connected to them by their loving, wonderful mother. She was special, so loving. She was 98 and at peace with her beautiful life and ready to die. Do I still send my cousins Christmas cards? We are all missing her. Is it callous to send a smiling photo of my family so soon after telling them I'm sorry about the loss of their mother? Although she was ready to die, we are all left missing her. I don't usually send all of these cousins a Christmas card, but I'm feeling a lot of love for them and wanting to keep connected. One of the reasons we send Christmas cards is to keep connected to the many friends and family we care about and don't interact with regularly. Is it better to send a card next year and not appear unfeeling while they are grieving? Thank you very much for considering this. Best regards, a loving cousin. Before I answer, because my instinct was it's okay. Yeah, I was going to say, like, Dan and I will resoundingly say, send them, send them all, send the condolence notes to the cousins, even though you've already had the conversation. If you feel compelled to, you don't have to. But send the Christmas card. What a not great opportunity, but use that feeling of connection as that moment to now include them in your list each year. And honestly, during a time of grieving, it might be nice to see the smiling faces that have held your hand through it. A loving cousin, thank you so much for this question. You can feel the love for your great aunt coming through in terms of how you pose this to us. And I really appreciate the care you're taking with all of these relationships at this time and the thought that you're putting into doing this well. The Big picture etiquette thought is it's okay. Send them send them all. Send yeah. the <laughs> note of <laughs> condolence that you're inspired to send. And and send the holiday cards that you're inspired to send. And remind yourself that they're different things and that they're gonna mm -hmm. be arriving at the same time, but you're not putting them in the envelope together. Um mm -hmm. they really are cards that express different things, and they're both things that are beautiful, loving, and potentially really important and maybe even uplifting for someone at a time that, that can be difficult. Absolutely. I, Dan, I'm, I'm just in total agreement. And if you've had these wonderful conversations with the cousins, you might not need to send the condolence note unless you really feel like you, you want to do that as well. And it's perf it's perfectly fine to have the call and the card or just the phone call if that felt more appropriate. I love that you're feeling like this has brought these cousins and you closer together and that they are people that you want to do things like send Christmas cards to or or send holiday cards to. And I think that you want to lean into that right now. Um, and, and imagine if you've had these great conversations, I think at least if I was your cousin, I would probably really love seeing your smiling face. And I'd remember that call that we had and it would warm my heart and it would make me really feel all the family that I have here who know and appreciate, you know, my mother or my aunt or, or whomever it is in the family and who remember them. It's, it's like being more surrounded by family. Um, I think it's much more likely that that would be the reaction you'd, you'd be receiving rather than someone, you know, being upset 
I can't speak for everyone in every opinion, but my guess is it would be a good thing. Dan, I don't know if we have anything else. I think we're just, it's just always so nice to, to get to give the encouraging advice of yes, yes, do it, do it, you know? It is. And my final thought was an extra layer of encouragement, which is that if for whatever reason you end up not sending the holiday cards this year, remember that thought that I want to start a tradition with these people and, and absolutely do it next year when it feels right to you. A loving cousin, we're so sorry to hear about your loss and really appreciate the question that you gave us today. You can feel the love in your family from here. Our next question is about American etiquette. Lizzie and Dan, for a while now, my wife and I have playfully teased one another about how we hold our silverware. I learned from my American family while she learned from her Danish stepmother. However, now that she's got a job where she may have to have meals with clients, we are wondering if she should use a more American style as we live in America. Audrey and Alyssa. Audrey and Alyssa, thank you so much for writing in with this question. I am going to go out on a limb and venture a guess, but Dan, I really want you to weigh in as the business seminar etiquette expert or business etiquette seminar expert, I should say. I think that at this stage and given that there isn't a huge difference between the styles, like it's not like a jarring or confusing difference that I would just say eat as you're most used to eating because you'll, you'll, I'm imagining you'll be more elegant that way as a full adult (laughs) who's been eating this way successfully for a long time. Am I wrong, Dan? (laughs) I don't think so. And okay. Phew. (laughs) So this is where I'm going to confess, um, a certain degree of ignorance about the the details and the specifics of Danish dining customs. Well, that's true. Yeah. And if we're talking about the difference between the American and the continental style of dining, so there the big distinction is in the continental or European style, your fork is held in your left hand, tines down while you cut a bite of food with your knife in the right hand, and it stays in that hand and that orientation with the same grip to bring the bite to your mouth. And In the American style, oftentimes the knife is set down on the plate, the fork transitions from the left hand to the right, the grip switches, the tines are now facing up, the fork looks maybe more like a spoon would look in this orientation. And if if that's the difference that is the major difference between the American and Danish style of eating, it matters not a whit. Um, In fact, we tell people that it's okay to transition between those styles during the same meal within the same course to really use whichever one makes it easiest to eat your food. Because as you point out, it's that feeling of ease and comfort when you're eating (laughs) that puts other people at ease and makes you feel confident. (laughs) So... Ladies and gentlemen, that is why we have Daniel Post Senning doing seminars. <laughs> I love the description. You've done that description so many times, it just rolls right out. Where I run into a question is, is there something about Danish table manners that I don't know? Do you hold right. your spoon with your fist or in a way that looks like an awkward grip to the eye of someone who's really used to seeing... American dining or Western, yeah. The American or the European style where you hold the fork and spoon and knife a certain way. Yeah. All right, Lizzie Poe, so can I get myself into a little bit of trouble here? 
Uh-oh, uh-oh, you want to stir up trouble at the end of the question? Yes, because this isn't an etiquette answer. This is an entirely uh, a preference thing. And sure. it's something that I, I sometimes suggest when I'm teaching dining etiquette, and that's that mm-hmm. if far from because I'm in America adopting the American style as universally as possible because it really is okay to transition back and forth between those two ways of using a knife and fork – I sometimes encourage people who aren't as familiar with the continental style to give it a try because it gives you more options at the table. And for me, having more options is all to the good. That's to my benefit. If there's something that's easier for me to cut and eat continental style, I can do that. If there's something that's easier American style, I can do that. So far from trying to restrict it, this is one of those places where I'd say – And this is where I'm taking a little bit of a risk here. Maybe put me down on the side that says don't put yourself in a box, but but try both and and get good and practice to both. Broadening horizons is always a good idea. Audrey and Alyssa, we hope our answer helps. Let us know how it goes. Awesome Etiquette audience, if you're looking for a great last-minute gift, don't forget that many of our books are available as digital downloads for your Kindle or e-reader and as audiobooks. Happy last-minute shopping! Our next question is titled, Venmo on a Wedding Announcement? Dear Lizzie and Dan, my daughter is getting married the day before Valentine's Day. Congratulations to her. It will be a very small COVID-safe wedding ceremony. We are planning on sending out announcements. Hopefully, we can have a party for extended family and friends in the summer or fall. I was talking to a friend today about the wedding and sending out the announcements. She said, oh, please include a Venmo username. That's my favorite thing that's come out of the pandemic. We have received two wedding announcements this year with a Venmo username printed at the bottom of the announcement. My daughter and I feel like this is very tacky. It looks so greedy, but my friend says that she loves the ease of it. She sends them a little wedding greeting with the money and they send her a thank you right back and she's done. She suggested putting a Venmo username on the wedding website if we didn't want to print it on the announcement. My daughter doesn't want to do that either. What is the proper etiquette in this case? Best mother of the bride. M.O.B. I love it when M.O.B.s write in. They're always good questions. This is a great question. This is a great (laughs) question. And correct me if I'm wrong, cuz, as I venture into (laughs) wedding territory, but... Do it, do it. This doesn't sound good to me. I, yeah, I, no. <laughs> Did you, are you kidding me? Did you hear your reaction? <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know about tacky or greedy, but I, I, I want to return to the etiquette concept that you really want the, the news to be the news and the excitement yeah. to be about spreading that news. And we know Spot that there on. are very, very firm um, – sort of prescriptions that say, you know, don't include registry information on the wedding invitation. And in this case where the announcement is really, it's not an invitation, but it's serving to to announce, to tell everyone this good news. Yeah. I, I, I want to apply that thinking that applies to the wedding invitation and to treat this announcement with the same respect. And I like the follow-up question because it lets us actually talk about something in a little more detail, which is the idea of maybe putting that information on the wedding website. And that's a place where I would say 
don't let that feeling of it feeling weird or awkward on the announcement prevent you from making it easy for people to get that information in ways that are appropriate if they're seeking it out. So, and oftentimes that wedding website's a great place to do that. It, you're you're absolutely right, but typically the wedding website is there as a plant, not a planning space. I mean, sort of a planning space, but a resource for the guests. And one of the big problems that I have with what mother of the bride's friend loves the other brides and couples doing. And this is why you write the wedding books, Cousin Lizzie Boast. <laughs> but this is this is the issue is that these people weren't guests at your wedding and you're fronting the idea that not only should they get you something, they should specifically send you money. Here's where to do it to. And we're assuming you use Venmo. There's just a whole lot going on there that is R-O-N-G from an etiquette, at least from an Emily Post etiquette perspective. And it's not not often that we do that where we're just straight up like that's just not good etiquette is that I think there are other ways to do what the recipient, the friend in this situation has said she actually really appreciated because here we have someone telling us this thing that whether you call it tacky or greedy or just inappropriate um it it's something that we have someone saying i loved this this was like so great clearly we have people that we want to celebrate have the means to celebrate but maybe we weren't a guest to that wedding and i could see doing something where instead of including your venmo name or a a registry link on an announcement because you would never put it on the announcement. If, if you were going to do it, you would do it on an enclosure with the announcement. But what I could see doing is putting an enclosure in that says, to see photos of the wedding or to see video of the wedding, visit us at our wedding website. Once you're there, if they hop over to the registry section, that is totally up to them. But giving them a reason to come to the wedding website, to see some photos, see how everything went... I think that that's good. And yes, they could probably go to a social media account. But if, you know, if you wanted to create a space where a, a, per, a friend who hadn't been invited or family member who hadn't been invited had access to the ability to gift something from the registry or to use a Venmo name, I think that's the way you would do it. And I'm not saying you have to, like, bribe them with photos of the website to get a gift out of them. That's not sort of the goal. But the goal is to not be straight up saying, we got married. If you want to give us something, here's how to do it, which is exactly what that announcement with the Venmo username does. Okay, that's my rant, just so you know. Lizzie Post, I think that's a phenomenal answer. And I I so appreciate the, the distinction about a, a wedding website really being for guests. And it, it makes perfect sense when you start to map it out like that. And I'm also glad that you got into sort of the good etiquette of registries, how they're supposed to function, the idea really being that they're meant to be a resource for guests and yeah. that keeping that idea in mind I think helps you kind of modify and tinker with versions of that in a way that that is appropriate. And thinking about making things easier for people that want to do something is nice. It runs up against that risk of creating the wrong impression with that other subset of your guests who might not necessarily be looking for this particular kind of vehicle. Totally. I'm hoping the sort of workaround we worked to have, have come to the website to see the photos and then that gives the guest an easy way to 
to do a Venmo or something like that. That might, the, the, I'm hoping that that works. The other thing is, is that we should probably acknowledge that the bride herself has said she's not interested in doing any of this. You don't have to do any of this, even though you know that you have a guest who's saying, oh, or not a guest, even though you know you have a, an announcement recipient saying, please do it. You don't have to lean into that unless you, you know, well, we shouldn't lean into it the way that, that she was suggesting. But if you did lean into it um, in the ways we suggested, we think it would be all right. But you also just don't have to. Mother of the Bride, thank you for this question. We really appreciate it. And good luck with the rest of the wedding plan. for your questions, please send us updates or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or you can reach us on social media. On Twitter, we're at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we're at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we're awesomeetiquette. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette with your social media posts so we know you want your question on the show. If you love Awesome Etiquette, consider becoming a sustaining member. You can find out more about this by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette. You'll get an ads-free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content. Plus, you'll feel great knowing you help to keep Awesome Etiquette on the air. And to those of you who are already sustaining members, thank you for your support. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And today we're hearing from Lubna. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. I just listened to episode number 327 and wanted to comment on the issue with the sweets. I have had a very similar issue. During these COVID times, our family has restricted our socializing so we can regularly visit my in-laws. They live a five-hour drive away. On one such occasion, my father-in-law discovered I love Montreal bagels. Others don't even compare. (laughs) These bagels are hard to find where I live, and he has found a place where he can get some. Since COVID times have started, I have gained a little with all the bread making and baking. I have come to see I need to cut back. At home, I have limited my carb intake. However, every time we visit, he buys me these bagels. I love eating them, but I know I need to stop. I didn't know how to say this to him because I can see he buys them just for me with so much love. So when we were heading home last time, I asked if I can put the remaining in the freezer instead of taking them home as he was insisting. I told him I'm trying to cut down on my carb intake, and I will definitely enjoy them next time. But maybe not every day. Let's see. We are planning to head there next week. I think I might bring my protein powder and spinach for my smoothies as another hint. (laughs) I'm not quite sure how my situation can help the other listener, but I feel ya. Warm regards. Love that. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much for writing in with that feedback. It A... It makes me really want a Montreal bagel. We feel you. We're close to Montreal. And B, I think it is it is a good solution. I like that. I'm going to put this in the freezer or help me portion this out a little bit. Not a, not a bad tactic to take. And I think I might have just heard Pooja's ears perk up somewhere when she heard protein powder <laughs> and spinach. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> Thank you so much for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please do keep them coming. You can send your next feedback, update, or salute to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. 
It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today we're continuing with Margaret Visser, but this time in a bit of a holiday mood. Our reading today (laughs) is on feasts. It's true. It is. Uh, This can be found on page uh, 29 and 30 of Visser's book. Food is tradition, largely because a taste acquired is rarely lost, and tastes and smells which we have known in the past recall for us, as nothing else can, the memories associated with them. Marcel Proust made Remembrance of Things Past, one of the longest novels ever written, arise out of a bit of cake which one day he soaked in tea, just as had been the custom in his childhood. A shudder ran through him, and an exquisite pleasure he could not at first fathom, and then he understood. Quote, Taste and smell alone, more fragile but more enduring, more substantial, more persistent, more faithful, remain poised a long time, like souls remembering, waiting, hoping amid the ruins of all the rest. So in that moment, all the flowers in our garden and in M. Swan's Park and the water lilies on the vivant and the good folk of the village and their little dwellings and the parish church and the whole of Cambrai and its surroundings, taking shape and solidity, sprang into being town and gardens alike from my cup of tea. End quote. Feasts, by means of structure and ritual, deliberately use the powerful connotations of food to recall origins and earlier times. They also attempt to be events in themselves unforgettable in order to furnish recollections for the future. The food served at festivals is, therefore, not only richer and more splendid than what we usually eat, but also traditional, inherited from the past, and intended to be experienced as ancient custom. The recipes and the lore associated with it are to be handed on by us for use again in ritual celebrations. Festive food is both out of the ordinary and, if the festival is a recurring one, always the same. English Christmas pudding and brandy-soaked Christmas cake is heavy, sweet, and rich. It is eaten in the depth of winter when we can permit ourselves dense food that, quote-unquote, sticks to our ribs. Even then, in the context of the season's feasting, a tiny bit suffices. Once we have recovered from Christmas, we are quite happy to wait a year before trying the cake and pudding again. Dried fruit mixes require long, hard work in the making and the maturing of them. Time taken in the preparation of festival food is part of the value attributed to them and focuses attention upon that value. There is a tendency also to associate very dark foods such as coffee, chocolate, truffles, caviar, and kips, as well as plum cake with excitement and luxury. We feel obscurity that such strange dark stuff must be meaningful and ancient. Fruit puddings and cakes do have very old roots, but the modern forms of them are quite recent ritual adaptations. We are eating culinary history and value as well as family memories. I just loved that. Could we just keep going? Could we just keep going for a long time? It was like it made me so ready to feast. Well, what's I mean, she goes on into into weddings and the wedding cake itself, and that's why I decided to stop. But it did. It created all those feelings for me, and I don't know if that's 
um, that's just like a, a palette I like, or if it's that cold north, northern New England winter. But I just, in my mind, I was like, this, sir, this is so right on. <laughs> I love her vision. And I love um, her specificity and her detail when she's talking about very particular things. But I mm-hmm. almost like this or more when she pulls back a little bit and she thinks mm-hmm. broadly about something like feasting. And she gets poetic about it. And it really is um, – it's rich what she's, what she's describing, the way food is more than just the nourishment of our bodies, the way yeah. it functions culturally and sustains us on so many levels and becomes a vehicle for history and relationships and experiences. It's, it's phenomenal. I, I, I so appreciate her, her vision on this. And to start it all with that beautiful quote. You know, that that just that simple cup of tea could evoke someone's entire childhood. It was just such a great place to lead us off into the world of, of traditional feasts and the foods that comfort us. And and it's it's funny, I, I think about the foods that my family chooses to eat um, when we celebrate Christmas or Thanksgiving together, which are the two big ones that we come together for. And it 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 is so important there there are years where we've tried to change it and it hasn't worked you know or we've only been able to add in more and not take away things that that we really love but it's so a part of that particular in our house our table you know what i mean and to to see those foods there yeah i found myself with a very similar reflection that yeah. with us spending this holiday sort of um, alone at our house, not attending some of the family gatherings. The last thing that occurred to me as I was doing my holiday planning was to get some of the specialty foods right. that were often a part of those gatherings. And I, it was it was sort of that one of those last little puzzle pieces to trying to build versions of traditions that I've known my whole life that are going to work <laughs> right now. And it You're was that, that feasting food component the... was a thing. <laughs> Are the you going to – did you get your pearled onions? <laughs> Whatever it is, exactly. Yeah. Oh, no, it's, it is it is true and it, it was such a comfort to read it. I hope that it can help inspire some, some good comfort and traditional feasting um, throughout the awesome etiquette audience, whether you are celebrating on your own or whether you are celebrating with family and friends or celebrating with family and friends virtually. Um, we want to wish you a really, really happy holiday week. Twas the day before Christmas, and all through the hills the reindeer were playing, enjoying the spills of skating, and coasting, and climbing the willows, and hopscotch, and leapfrog, protected by pillows. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. And today, we hear from Alex. Dear Lizzie and Dan, I love the show and have been listening since the beginning. Thank you for all you do. The question in episode number 326 about sending a thank you note to someone's office when you're pretty sure they're working from home inspired me to submit this salute to the show. I am a museum educator in Washington, D.C., and the pandemic has had me working from home since March. In October, I hosted a virtual field trip for a second grade class in California. The kids were great. They were so curious about the story I had to tell. They asked fantastic questions. It really was such a delight. Fast forward to December. I went into my office for just the second time in nine months 
to retrieve some supplies for my work-from-home setup. On my desk were two thank-you notes from this class, dated back in October. The teacher had organized both sections of her students to sign these cards, thanking me for a wonderful virtual field trip. My heart grew three sizes that day, great Grinch reverence. (laughs) Working from home has been challenging, and Zoom fatigue is a real issue. These thank you notes reminded me why I love my job. So hats off to the teacher for modeling the good etiquette of handwritten thank you notes amidst a pandemic that has transformed classroom teaching. And in spite of the challenges of remote and hybrid learning, to the students for being awesome and to the whole class for being such a wonderful group in October and for spreading gratitude and joy across the miles. Many thanks, Alex. Alex, that is a fantastic salute. Thank you so much for sending it to us. It is exactly the kind of thing we want to hear about. And I'm just going to have to insist that you send a link to this episode to whoever your contact person is at that school, because I would love for the teacher and the class to hear what an impact their efforts made on you. Thank you so much for sharing this salute. And thank you for listening. And thank you to everyone who sent us something. And thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Please connect with us and share this show with your friends, family, and coworkers, and on social media. You can send us questions, feedback, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving us a review. It helps with our show ranking, which helps other people find awesome etiquette. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks Chris, Chris and Bridget. Bridget.